I'm going to share with you a little something, a quick little overview. Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, that, yeah. just a, a little overview of what we went over yesterday, some of the things that we talked about. Uh, we began yesterday talking about several things about preparing to tie the knot, preparing to tie the knot. And the first thing we talked about was the necessity of, the Bible talks about that we are complete in Jesus. And so if we find that completeness, two complete people can come together and they can draw closer to each other and closer to God, and it can be a unity that is very, very, very powerful. So finding your happiness in Jesus was very important. What was the second thing right there that we talked about, Fadia? You can help me remember. I don't even remember. Yeah, give your life completely to God. What was after that? Yeah, yeah, know God's will and plan for your life. So important that life is so much better if you don't just get a job, you know? I mean, if you just have a job, I mean, that may have been okay for the last generation, but it's, it's just not the same today. That we would actually like to do something that we enjoy doing, that's fulfilling, that we feel like we're fulfilling a mission in life that is so much better than just having a job. Now, if all you can do is have a job, okay, but you're, I mean, you're going to college or you're going to university or what have you, you can make a decision to go some, into something that is actually very powerful, something that is life-changing for you. And it, what's that? Yeah, yeah, and if you don't know, one of the things we suggested, if, if you're like, man, I just totally don't know, rather than just picking something, one of the suggestions I have, I'm not telling you what to do, but one of the suggestions is go do something like a year of uh, maybe overseas missions or a year of missions and say, God, show me as I put you first in my life, show me what you will have me to do. And I really believe that most of the time you'll find you'll discover what would be fulfilling to you. What was the next one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Little uh, example here. This is cool. My wife found this today. It was, in, it was an article. If you could click forward just a second. Uh, this is, this uh, just came out recently. Actually, no, I guess it was December. It was a little while ago. Uh, new to me, though. New, new today. Uh, why a star football player traded NFL career for a tractor. Now, that's, that's strange, isn't it? Especially when you look at the facts of the story, this guy had a $34 million uh, career that he was signing for. And so, but as he's playing NFL football, making millions of dollars, he ends up deciding, you know what, this, doesn't, this isn't what's bringing happiness to my life. This is totally not fulfilling to me. And so he, he decides that he wants to become a farmer. And that sounds strange. I mean, trading millions of dollars for farming. And I don't know if you know, unless you have a, a mega farm, you don't make millions of dollars. Uh, and so he ends up buying uh, this, this farm, and his name was Jason Brown. He quit football uh, to be a plain old farmer, even though he had never farmed a day in his life. And they asked, how did you, how did you even learn to do this? He said, you know, how do you learn to farm? He says, get on the internet. You watch YouTube. <laughs> right? And he learned from YouTube. Thanks to YouTube and some good advice from other farmers in Lewisburg, North Carolina this week, Jason finished harvesting his first, uh, he has a thousand acres, but he finished his first five acre plot of sweet potatoes. He says, when you see them pop out of the ground, man, it's the most beautiful thing and you could see. He said, he has never felt more successful being a farmer, right? And then he says, not in man's standards, but in God's eyes, he said. But God cares about the NFL, right? There are people uh, praying to him in the field all the time. Yeah, there's a lot of people praying out there. But when I think about a life of greatness, I think about a life of service. Boom, isn't that powerful? You know, we live in such a weird time because we live in a time now where, where this guy, you know, he's riding his tractor. You know, people are like, what do you do for a living? He's like, I'm a farmer. 
You know, and people are like, oh, that's cool, bro, a farmer, that's awesome, right? I mean, we live in the, my, when my parents were kids, uh, you know, I come from Michigan, and my, and my parents liked the University of Michigan, and, and they didn't like univer, uh, Michigan State University, they said, oh, that's a farm school. People used to make fun of farming, now like, when someone's like, oh, I'm an organic farmer, people are like, oh, that's awesome, right? People, t- the world is so changing. Really what it is, is when people find something that's fulfilling to them, I'm not telling you to become farmers, I'm saying do something that God has called you to do. You'll find fulfillment. It's much better than anything else on the planet. Even a great job that's high paying that is not fulfilling is absolutely nothing to you. It may be great to somebody else. But find something that is fulfilling for you in your life. Now we're going to begin uh, with some new information. That's good right there. That's the last slide. Uh, Something, yes. Okay, go ahead. You can grab a mic. She's on the red one. Thank you. Okay. The thing that he said, a life of service, is that that five acres, he calls his farm First Fruits Farm. And that five acres is his first fruits. And I forget how many, maybe 100,000 pounds or something like that, he donated to a local food pantry. And so that's where he said, I feel like I'm so successful. I'm doing things for others. And I just thought that was super special, that he's feeling Fulfilled now doing something for others. And they said that he's helping wipe out hunger in the area that he's living. Powerful, powerful, you know. Uh, but now we're going to move on. This is, this is kind of a review and a little more info from yesterday, but now moving on to today. One of the things that is very, very important about while you are in college or in university or in school is one of the things I would suggest, we're talking about preparing to tie the knot, but one of the things that's important is just making friends while you're in school. Now, that may sound obvious and a little bit ridiculous and not even ne- ne- necessary to talk about in preparing to tie the knot, preparing to get married. But one of the things that sometimes happens during school, you have some girls who are boy crazy. And you have some guys who are girl crazy. I'm not pointing at either of the two sexes, but is this true, yes or no? That all they can think about is the opposite sex. That's it. And so they don't really make many adequate friends. And many times those people, I, I, not always, but so, I should say at least some of the time, after they get out of school, really they look back on their high school and their college, and it was basically just a bunch of bad memories of breaking up with a bunch of people, right? And they have no friends because they broke up with those who are close to them. But what happens is if while you're in school, listen, you have an opportunity to make friends from people from all over the country and all over the world right? Make friends because these can be some of the best friends of your life. So you won't regret it when you leave school. What was that? (laughs) All right, all right, whatever. The reality is, is make friends. Making friends is so important. It's a simple thing, but make sure you have friends who are just friends. You can have, and not only that, listen, if you're going into similar fields, you can have connections also for the rest of your life with like-minded people. It's a very powerful thing. My wife's going to come up and she's going to share with us the next point. Okay, um, the next point kind of goes along with that, and that as you're making those friends, you're making them in groups, right? You're getting to know people in groups, and as you get to know people in groups, you're learning about other people and what you like about certain personalities and what you don't like and what goes along with you and so on and so forth. And so it's very important that you, it's very important that you make those connections, that you're getting to know someone that you could potentially be interested in in a group. 
Why do I say that? Why do you think? Somebody think about it. Why is it important to get to know people in the group? Less pressure? You're more likely to be yourself, exactly. So, because, for example, Chad and I, we were friends for years. I never saw him as a potential, and he never saw me as a potential. We were just friends and got to know each other with other people, and so that we really got to know each other. We always tell people, we got to know the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we were still okay with it, right? And that's, that's just normal. You know, it's good to get to know people in that sphere so that you're not having your heartstrings plucked and getting close. And then you're like, oh, I didn't realize that about her. Like, maybe not. And then they're kind of, you're, you're already kind of attached and then you have to hurt the person, you hurt yourself. And you understand what I mean, right? So I just, I constantly tell people that it's your best bet. Get to know people in groups. I can't say that enough. Because you learn a lot, um, not just for that personal relationship, but you learn a lot about other people and yourself. Okay, these are the years where you're really developing and learning so much about the world and life and your career. Um, how important it is to get to know about yourself and other personalities and so on and so forth. Um, the next point, I'm going to have Chad come up. Sorry, we're jumping back and forth here today. Uh, and the whole point, I mean, obviously, it's not always going to work out to get to know people in groups, but it can be, obviously, when you, when you immediately go on a date, what do you do if you go on a date? You put on your best, right? You make sure your breath is good, you look good, you act good, you do everything just right. But when you actually get to know people in reality, you see, you see how they really are. And one of the best ways, I'm not saying it's the only way to do it, but it is one of the best ways is that so you guys don't have to get connected and find out that really you fully just weren't made for each other. You get to see each other in their real atmosphere. So many times that can be a great way of doing it. But another thing to think about is the fact that before, uh, you know, marrying somebody, what I suggest is there are people who look at marriage in a different way. There are those who just would like to have, you know, some people want the like old-fashioned, traditional American uh, relationship where the woman just kind of sits in the kitchen, you know, the old idea, barefoot and pregnant kind of thing. Some people like that idea. And if you're the woman who wants to be barefoot and pregnant and sitting there where your husband goes out with the boys that night, if that's your idea of a great marriage, knock yourself out, right? If that's what you want, okay. But the reality is, is one of the things I would suggest that I think for most people would be much better than that perspective is the idea of actually not marrying someone that you wouldn't be friends with. Don't marry somebody that you wouldn't be friends with. And getting to know somebody beforehand. Here, I'm going to tell you something very honest about sexuality. That once, if, what happens is we get to be, uh, this is just the reality. This is the American lifestyle. You see someone, you're attracted, you become interested, you let them know, or one or the other, you know, one of them chases, many times the guys, but many times the girls are chasing today. And so they come together, and very quickly they're being sexual. And when you're being sexual with someone, it's very tough to figure out if you'd be good friends together. Because it's just so fun to be together, right? So you just think, man, it was good. I just love to be with them forever. But the reality is, is life is not all about sex. Did you know that? When you get married, life is not all about that. There's a lot more to life than sexuality. You have a job. You take out trash. You wipe babies' bottoms. 
Life is about all kinds of things, and it's not all sexual. And so if you, what happens if you're super attracted to each other, you never find out because you went right into being, I'm not even talking about you went right into having sex, but you, you very quickly become sexual together in some capacity. You become very physical, and as a result of that, you can't really distinguish, would I be a good friend with this individual? You can't really tell. Because it feels so good, the physical aspect of it, all the endorphins, all these things are just flooding, all the hormones are raging through your body, and so you can't distinguish whether this person would be a good friend to you or not. So this is really something to consider. Consider, would this person, would I actually be friends with them? And the best way to do that is just stay back for a while. Don't touch, don't do anything, so that you can begin to discover. Listen, when God tells us, I mean, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, it doesn't mean it's good for a man never to ever touch a woman, but it is good for a man not to go around touching girls, right? Because, and God doesn't say these things just because he's saying, oh, I just want to keep you away from something that's really, really good, and I want you to miss out on the greatest things of life. No, he's saying, listen, really, I want your life to be the best it possibly could. I'll tell you, my wife is my best friend. She is. We literally were together almost 24 hours a day for years. And we literally, we have to say at the end of the night, all right, no more talking. We're going to bed. Last night we did that. I'm like, okay, I, I, let's, that's it. That's it. We're done. Okay. You know? Then we go to sleep. We love each other. We're friends. And listen, I know not everybody looks at marriage like I do, and that's okay. I'm not here to say you need to have a marriage. If you like the old-fashioned thing, the woman's in the kitchen, and the man's out with his friends, and, and you guys just pass each other, you know, every once in a while, and that's, that's your gig, if that's what you really want, knock yourself out. But I'll bet most people aren't really looking for that. Aren't, aren't most people looking for something a little bit deeper than that? And that's why you've got to figure it out beforehand. And one of the other points that I want to share with you is that you're making friends. And if you have decent parents, and if you don't have pe- decent parents, maybe you know somebody else who does. And as you're getting to know someone who you're interested in, be willing to listen to the input of others. Be willing to listen to the input of your friends. Because here's the thing. Uh, typically, for instance, let's say you have, you have several friends and you have questions about something in life. You're like, oh, I think I'm going, maybe going to go into this or this. Do you have any input? And they say, oh, actually, I think you're way better with option B. And the reason why I think you're better with option B is because your character is like this, 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 and this. And this, this career is into this, 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 and this. And I think you would work much better. And you go, you know what? I never saw it like that. Thank you for giving me the input. You see how a lot of times we're willing to take friends and family's input in certain areas of life. Is that true, yes or no? But when it comes to relationships, it's like our brains shut down. And we do something like this. You know, let's say a young lady meets a young man, and the guy's like, you have such beautiful eyes. You are so beautiful. And your clothes look so nice on you. And, and the girl's like, Oh, her, her heart is pitter-pattering. And guys, I don't know if you know about this, but I was told by a man in his 80s, probably his 80s, he said, women are different than men. There's more to it than that, just so you know. <laughs> he said, women get this thing, they get these tingles that we don't get. I thought he was lying, honestly. I fully thought he was lying. I I was just like, you know, he's an old man from yesteryear. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And guess what I discovered after getting married? My wife gets tingles. 
she gets this like, you know, and maybe guys do too. Maybe I'm so corrupted by the world. I mean, I was, I was in the world, you know, before, and so maybe I'm so corrupted I just don't get that stuff. But my, my wife gets it, and I know girls get it. They talk to each other about relationships, and they get these tingles inside, right? I don't, I don't really have that. You know, I'm a guy. And here's the thing. So girls get these guys, and the guys are like, girl, you're looking good, you know? And the girls are like, ha, oh, ha, this is amazing. And they're like, the guys in the church aren't that nice. Because the guys in the church aren't stalking you like a prey, right? They're supposed to be a little bit more decent than that, right? Now think about this. But here's the trouble. So what happens is this. So this guy is in all your friends and your parents. See, normally you trust them like, thank you for your input about my job. Thank you for your input about this test. Thank you for your input about this. And then all of a sudden they look at your boyfriend and everybody tells you, that guy is a bozo. He's an utter bozo. And what he does, the guy, he knows it. Listen, the guys know how to play the game. He, you know, like you come and you tell him, like, ah, oh, you know, my family, they don't think this is right. And he's like, you don't understand. You're the only one who understands me. And she's like, oh, I am the only one that understands that he's not a bozo, right? Everybody knows he is. Everybody can see it. Everyone sees this character of this guy is totally, dreadfully flawed. And, and she's thinking, Everybody wants to keep me from being happy. Have you ever heard of something like this happening, yes or no? This is such a common... I have seen this happen, and it is painful to watch it happen. A young lady is with a guy that everybody knows she shouldn't be with. The same thing could happen with guys, but I, I, I guess I've just seen it more with girls. But it can happen both ways. But you see a young lady, a wonderful young lady, so much potential, but this guy sweeps her off her feet, and everybody knows this guy is going to, you're going to have a terrible marriage and a terrible life, and she thinks everybody's trying to keep her from happiness. Do you think everybody literally all of a sudden changed in one day, and everybody decided they don't want you to be happy? Very unlikely. Very unlikely. And you plead with this person, no, 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 this is not the guy. And they say, listen, I'm old enough. I can make my own decisions. And then they go forward. I mean, we had this with a friend just months ago. And within months, guess what? They got married and within months, it was over. Be willing to take the input of others. That doesn't mean you listen, you know, everything everybody says. But if you see a consistent theme of everybody around you telling you, this does not look like a good situation, you really need to reconsider. You really need to reconsider. And by no means am I telling you what to do. Everybody has to make their own decisions in life. But the reality is, is the Bible actually tells us in a multitude of counselors there is safety. safety. There is safety. My wife's going to come up and share another point. Or just to go along with that. Okay. Um, give my own personal testimony in this area. You know... I didn't grow up confiding a lot in my mom, which I regret, but it's just something a lot of us go through. You know, you're afraid to tell your parents what's going on, so on and so forth. Well, I grew up in, in the church and through church school and everything, and sometimes in school you kind of get used to each other and you may have conversations that you shouldn't be having with each other, and you just get used to this like low values and kind of conversations without going into details. And so I just got used to that, that that's the way we all talk to each other. And 
By God's grace, my life started to change. Remember, after my brother died, things really turned around. And um, then I went off to college, and during college, I met some different type of people. And I remember one guy asking me to go out on a date, and we went on a date, and he asked to pray before we ate. And I was like, whoa, he asked to pray before we ate. That was just like crazy to me. Mind you, I grew up in the church. Isn't that crazy? I call myself a church going, I've never met a guy that prayed before we ate. Um, pretty pathetic. But that was just like, wow, he's so spiritual. <laughs> you know, like that's how I felt. <laughs> Literally, I was just like, yay, <laughs> I found a spiritual guy, you know? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> just because somebody prays is not a good standard, right? So then, you know, I go on and I was at another place where, you know, all the guys are spiritual. So now I'm just like, whoa, and they preach, and this is so cool. And um, long story short, I ended up getting together with this guy, not fully, but just like developing a relationship. And um, hadn't, hadn't talked to my mom about it, my mom and my dad. And then they came out to visit with my brother. And my mom had actually met the guy before I had introduced her. And she's like, I don't really care for that guy. <laughs> and I was like, horrified. I was so angry. <laughs> I was like, Mom, you never like anything I like. And you know, the whole story and whatever. And you don't want me to be happy. That's what it's all about. You don't want me to be happy. And then my brother got it. Mom, you know, give it a chance. And, and my dad, he just wants to get me married. So he's like, just let her do whatever she wants, you know? <laughs> you know, and, um, and it, you know the dynamics in some families. It's just kind of funny. Anyway, and so, so I'm just in this dilemma and feeling all emotional about it and angry. And I really believe my mom did not want my happiness which is a sad, sad thing to say right now. It just, it really hurts my heart because I know she wants the best for me. So um, they go home and I'm stuck in this situation like, do I go forward this, not? And of course I'm not at ease. And they continue to pray for me at home. My mom didn't push anymore. She and my brother both didn't push. They just prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And my mom even had a dream that I was drowning in the midst of holy people. And that really opened my eyes and I started to pray, okay, Lord, I'm gonna pray that prayer that girls have a hard time praying, right? And, and um, I've had to go through that two times where I really had to surrender my will to God and say, I know you want my happiness and I'm not gonna try to make this happen. So I, this was my prayer. I said, Lord, if if this is not the guy, show me what my future with him would be if I continue this. Not too long after, I meet this couple and they're telling me their story and stuff and in my heart I thought, ooh, I don't like their story, I don't like their relationship, I don't like how it all started, and then boom, the Holy Spirit told me, that's you in so many years. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, I get this. But guess what, I'd already had my heart mixed in this 
situation that it was hard even though i saw my mom didn't like it my brother didn't like it um god showed through a dream i see standards that that i'm dropping for this i see um that he answered my own prayer and yet it was still difficult to let go but one valuable thing and this is about getting input from others that i learned after that is i don't trust myself my family knows me i grew up in this home who else knows me better and so i said lord i promise you from now on i will always get the input of my family i don't care what i'm always going to get their input and guess what from the beginning chad and i were friends they never saw him as a potential either but they loved him they immediately loved him and the same thing happened when i met his family it was completely as friends and they loved me and <laughs> should <I> tell <laughs> so his mom um and his sister they're like so chad what about fadia and he's like you know that nervous you know turn to john 173 business <laughs> he did it all the time like that change the subject do whatever i don't want to talk about this i'm not ready for it and so he just told him um no no uh she's older <laughs> and this is what his mother said she's like i don't mind if fadia robs the cradle that's okay <laughs> And to this day his mom and his sister think that they planted the seed in his head. <laughs> Turn with me to John chapter 15. Actually, I'm going to go to John chapter 15. We actually decided before we got married, we I would go talk to her parents, and if either of our families said no, it was over. It was over. because we thought if God is really leading why can't we get along with our families the bible says the fifth commandment is honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise it says in ephesians chapter 6 god can work through all these things so that we can have unity we can have peace in the home and we realize god led cuz i'll tell you this it's going to be hard for the rest of your life if if one of the parents is like i do not like her i do not like her and for the rest if there's ever any trouble in your marriage you're going to go back to yeah my parents told me this was no good and it's much easier to get divorced after that does that make sense i'm not telling you what to do i'm giving you advice and you do with it what you will but what's once what yes yeah if you're already in it yes if you're already in it do not give up press forward learn i mean do what you can you know to to learn to make the best out of what you have um yeah and sorry i i i kind of get a little overboard in my illustration sometimes so forgive me uh but i want you to think about this for a moment speaking of being friends the bible says in john chapter 15 verse 15 jesus said this he said henceforth i do not call you servants for the servant does not know what his lord is doing but i have called you friends for all things that i have heard of my father i have made known unto you you see sometimes people go into marriages looking for their spouse to be their servant and i'm not just talking about the men wanting the woman to you know prepare them food i'm talking about what we want is we're looking for someone else to serve my happiness to make me happy and jesus said listen i'm not calling you servants but i'm calling you my friend 
And our relationship with Jesus is like a relationship between uh, God and the church, right? Which is like a, a, a marriage relationship. And God wants us to be friends. So I would challenge you to become friends before you start getting sexual, before you start getting into all those different things, because it begins to cloud your mind on what actually would be true friendship. And one of the other things before we go that I would challenge you to do is, did you know, depending on what uh, survey they take, potentially one of the greatest reasons for people getting divorced, does anybody know statistically one of the greatest reasons for people getting divorced, at least that they cite as being one of the biggest reasons they got divorced? Almost every one of you seem to know. It's money. And I don't know how it is at Loma Linda University. I've never been here, so I'm not pointing the finger at Loma Linda University. Uh, but many times we don't learn in all of our education how to take care of finances. Meaning we don't actually learn how the fact that you can pay off a mortgage way early and get it done with, with paying way less interest. I mean, insane amounts of less interest by just paying off your mortgage, by paying down principal extra every month. I mean, even a little bit of money extra every month will knock down your 30-year loan to something significantly shorter and you save a bunch of money. Having these things were actually uh, getting to know finances. You may think, oh, that's, you know, it's not so exciting. It's not that exciting. But if you sit and go read a book or two, spend five, ten hours of your entire life, you could save your marriage just by knowing finances. That's a heavy thought, isn't it? But it's like, yeah, but that's not romantic. No, it's boring. But the fact is doing it could be very beneficial to you. Um, yeah, what a bad way to end. We should have ended. With, I didn't plan on ending with that. What a bad way to end. What's that? Oh, uh, what is it called? Savingthecrumbs.com. It's not my website. There's a guy named Alistair Huang. He has a, he has a website called Saving the Crumbs, you know, teaching you about finances and such. Uh, you know, I don't know. Did he go to school here? I don't even know. But he lived in this area for a while. Um, but just powerful stuff. Savingthecrumbs.com, something you can learn some stuff about finances, how they're doing it, how they're saving money, and paying a house off in two years. I mean, just amazing stuff that they're doing as a couple. And, you know, this is something that can unite their marriage. Your marriage, God wanted you to be happy. He wants you to have the best spouse that you could possibly have, and he wants to turn you into the person that's the most fulfilled you could possibly be. And so I want to challenge you to be a, a well-rounded person. Learning a few things in life before you get married can really benefit your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, and your relationship with God. But let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that Jesus doesn't want us to just serve him. Although you do, Paul even called himself a servant. Even he even said, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. We should be servants to you. But Jesus wants something much more than a servant. He wants someone who is friends with him. Father, I pray that we would become friends with you first off. And I pray that any person that we uh, begin a relationship, that we would first and foremost become friends to find out, do we actually, is there, would a friendship, is this something that I could have for the rest of my life? that would actually enjoy being in the company of this individual before we get into things that may cloud our understanding of whether this would be actually turn out to be a good marriage. So, Father, I pray that we would, we would have the greatest marriages possible, and I know that this is possible through you, where we can actually, that the, the joy we have that we can gain before marriage can continue right on through marriage, and we can live a fulfilling life with you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.
www.audioverse.org.